thing we have to fear. The economic health of this nation has been. There are been. four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline Read. in the dollar. It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Money Talks. Good morning. Hello, fam. What there up? It is. What up? You know, I just what up? I just noticed for the first time. The very I've, first time. I've been on the show for a while. In that first drop, we got Trump talking about the economy. Yeah. It's amazing. We're shadowing, huh? We've been trying to tell you guys for years. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. That's right. All right. I'm Troy Harmon. I'm here today with Jacob Keene and Nicholas Antonucci. Nick. How formal. Yeah. Nick, I, I usually go through everybody's designations except for my own. Um, you got a couple, right? CVA, SEPA. Now, yes. the CVA is a certified valuation analyst, and we all know I have that one as well. But We all uh, know. We all know that it's a business valuation, really focused more on private businesses, right? Correct. So uh, that's one of your uh, subspecialties. Outside of being just a research guy, and it's an right. all-research show today. In fact, I failed to mention one individual who is on the show that um, he's spoken a lot already, and I would expect him to speak even more. Uh, Buster Bruton, aka the AK. AK. That's right. Busta. Busta like the young AK. gunner. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Our recent graduate uh, of Kansas State University. <laughs> yeah, but Buster's a. Uh, Buster's, we uh, give him a mic, guys. I promise. Yeah, no, he's he's here. He's uh, research he's, intern designation. That's <laughs> right. Research intern. He's the he's the senior uh, senior research intern. Yeah. There you go. Um, get right up in that microphone if you're gonna talk there, Buster. Uh, Buster will be doing our dog of the week later in the next segment, but uh, did want to make sure that we didn't uh, overlook him. So, guys. Um, you, you've already made fun of Trump a little bit. And I wasn't uh, making fun. I just I noticed for the first time. Yeah, well, you hadn't seen that's it's. You were making fun. You point out of the the great tweet today that he sent out. Oh, that was absurd. Yeah, well, I don't even know if we should mention that. Any given day, you could probably say that. I mean, here's the thing: uh, many of Trump's um, policies have actually been good for the economy and yeah, good sure. for the markets. Yeah. Uh, there are absolutely no doubt there. Uh, some of his other. Uh, I, I, honestly, this is my own personal opinion, but I could hear a whole lot fewer of his tweets and be much happier. Sure. And, you know, you talk about most of policies have been kind of uh, good for the economy, good for the markets. Um, and, you know, we, we've talked amongst ourselves. You're coming off of 2018 that looked like it was going to be so promising. Uh, you know, three quarters of the way through the year, ended up finishing in the red. Um, but if you look at it over a two-year period, basically since Trump – Came into office, what are we looking at, like almost 8% annual, yeah, 7. annualized 9, returns? 791, something like that. Um, 2018, I guess it's time to talk about that. Yeah, uh, lost. We did. Well, we were up over 10% at one point. Um, wound up losing... 4.39% on the year. Yeah. Total From return. <clears throat> top of the market on September 20th to the end of the year, uh, we lost 13.99%. Uh, it was worse than that. I was going to say, oh, yeah. and that's, that's uh, as, as Jacob said, the uh, the Boxing Day rally 
Yeah, yeah late Santa Claus rally. Santa Claus. Of course, I'm a maniac, so I was I was checking everything. Even Christmas Eve was wild too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Down on Christmas Eve, and then five percent day yeah. the day after Christmas. One thing yeah. I'd point out is during those times of the year, uh, most of the traders are not really involved. Most people are on vacation. Yeah, volume volume yeah. tends to be Vol- pretty light. Yeah, so that's I, when we joke that the uh, interns are in charge at all the hedge funds. Yeah, that's right. I, <laughs> I uh, usually call it amateur hour. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a fitting note. Um, well, if it's amateur hour, are we closed <clears throat> next year during those times? No. Oh. Our, our schedule is, is not going to be related to that. I mean, you know, maybe maybe the indication is that some of us are amateurs, so we need to be here to support the cause. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this week didn't get very much information, but Thursday did kick off uh, mortgage applications, which is a, a weekly thing. Four-week moving average uh, purchase applications ticked up by 0.5%. Uh, refinancing dropped 0.1%, uh, driven by 10.6% decline in refinancing. Man, this is just a horrible time. Yeah, it, for, it's for mortgages, right? Yeah, especially being a, a holiday week. Who's going out there and closing on a on a home? Nobody. It's seasonal. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, sure. There are some people that'll buy a new house. Now, right I will say the holidays, but it, they're very few. I, I will say in the in the past few weeks, though, as you've seen rates come back down, you have started to see mortgage applications pick up. Yeah. As you would expect. <clears throat> You know, I know we've talked about it on on the show the past few weeks where you're out, Troy, but it's something that always kind of surprised me. You'll see mortgage rates fall 10 basis points or something, and you'll see a spike up in mortgage applications, or even if it's, let's call it 20 basis points. How many people have been sitting on the sidelines over 20 basis points? Yeah, I don't know. Staying away from home ownership over 20 basis points. Well, maybe that's part of the pitch from the mortgage broker. Yeah, but they're, they're always going to be pitching that. <laughs> yeah, they oh, know. the mortgage broker's only there to sell the mortgage. Yeah. Trust me, they're not going to talk you out of one. Well, speaking of rates, I mean, rates have been interesting lately, right, guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, let's tie it into this. Mortgage rates, 11 basis points lower, 4.5 on a uh, 30-year average, right? Right. So kick it off. What would you say about the interest rates? Well, I, I mean, we've seen an inversion in the curve in multiple points, Yeah, right? not the 2 minus 10, which we look for no. normally. No, but near term. Yeah, it's internal. It's it's uh, weird. Uh, the one year is higher than the two year. Right. Which is higher than the three year. Yep. I, I think and it's higher than the five year. Yeah. It is. I was say all the way out to like six or seven even. I don't know how much further it is than the five, but I do know that the treasury curve looks confusing. Uh, but there is definitely some inversion. And when did it happen? Happened like the 19th? Was that yeah, the, the day that the like Fed that. came yeah. out? I know said, this is a weird way to describe it, but if you rates. look at it, it almost looks like a Nike check the way it is. Yeah, right now. The I'm Nike sure swoosh. That's what, yeah. what I'm dubbing it. It's not so, the classic curve. inversion, the right. 2 minus 10, or, you know, 2 minus 10 being negative, where the 2% is higher than the 10%, or 2-year maturity is higher than the 10-year maturity, rather. Um but it is an inversion within the curve. Yeah, so I mean, let's let's talk about what that means, though, right? I mean, we use the two minus ten or ten minus two, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Because typical investment horizon is going to be longer than ten years. You know, you're buying stocks. I mean, that's some of the input into the rate is growth expectations, inflation expectations. That's going to drive, you know, business profits, etc. Sure. But if we're talking about an inversion, you know, one, two, three years. And what's being said there, it almost feels like 
the bond markets Don't calling, a whole lot calling of Jay Powell's bluff. <laughs> well, maybe. Right? Well, I mean, let's near term, about, Near term. So, so Jay Powell gave us an interest rate increase. He wasn't alone. There are seven Fed governors. No, There are no helped, dissenters. That helped make that decision, right? Nobody. Not one of them stood up and said, this is crazy to us. I, really, if you look at the numbers, the PCE deflator headline, 1.8%. Their target is two. Inflation is below target. Even when you add, which is weird too, you add, you, you take away food, food and, and energy. energy. It goes up to 1.9%. Usually you take away food and energy, which are considered too volatile. So, you know, in this case, they were obviously lower. Yeah, and you think about where energy prices, where oil prices have been. That I mean, was what the big difference was. So, so you've got... You've got that as one of your mandates, inflation, right? The other one is employment. Yeah. 3.7% unemployment rate. Right. Well, in, in my opinion, what is around 5% is what most people consider full inflation. Employment. I mean, full employment. I'm going to get it full right inflation. Full inflation. Full <laughs> inflation. Yeah. Is there a full employment? Full employment. So, so we've got full employment, and we've got inflation below our target. And we're going to raise interest rates. The fundamentals didn't support it. We've talked about this yeah. for months, though. And, well, and our they... options market was still telling us it's better than a coin flip. We're going to get we got a 70 percent probability of a rate increase. When you heard the commentary from the Fed governors individually, which still kind of I struggle with trying to understand why they let them out there. When, on you their have, own. when you have a consolidated policy, I would think. But well, we'll, we'll get some always. details next week. We get the minutes next Wednesday. Yeah. And then but tomorrow. It, but it's just weird to me. I mean, the market was saying all along, yeah, we're going to get it. Now, granted, usually when you're that close to an interest rate decision, you have a stronger signal. If it's going to be positive, it's usually in the mid-90s probability. You know, but but here we were. Well, that was wi- that was wild because I actually was reading the study that the Fed has never hiked with the options probability below seventy percent. And, and the like, morning up or right the day before, there, it was like seventy point three. Well, even the day before that, when we were when you mentioned that statistic, it was sub seventy. Yeah. And as we got to the day of that morning, it had just breached so seventy. Barely there, it felt like the street was just slowly wrapping their head around the possibility. Um. Even though it was tailing off into the meeting, it, it it got there. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It all looked weird. Really, the only sense I could make of it is about the same thing that Janet Yellen said when she gave us our first interest rate cut after the 2008, I mean, first interest rate increase after the 2008 cut. That was retooling for the next recession. It's the only sense that can be made of any of this, in my opinion. Yep. But Nick, we were talking about your CVA early in the show. I know you got a SEPA recently, and you might have even talked about this on the air, but I want to hear it. Yeah, so... What is a SEPA, and what do you do with that? Yeah, so the, the, myself and KC have talked about this, I think, two or three weeks ago um, okay. on the on the air. It's, uh, we're part of the Exit Planning Institute, uh, and we're Exit Planning Advisors. That's what the SEPA stands for, Certified, Certified. Exit Planning Advisor. And basically, uh, what our objective as a SEPA is, is to help business owners transition their business, you know, as they enter that next phase of life or really start planning well before that next phase of life even comes to be. So maybe you're 35 years old, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be working for another 30 years. Um, But it's never too early to start planning for your exit because the unexpected, 
you know, is exactly that. You don't plan on it to happen, and your exit from the business or transition may come sooner than you expect. And really, in its in its most simplistic form, exit planning is just good business strategy, and you know, increasing the value of that business. So just to kind of throw some statistics out there. Only 46% of business owners have planned for their exit. Furthermore, those who have actually had a plan, only 20 to 30% of those actually can sell their business because you think a lot of people, we have clients will come in, oh, my business is worth $5 million. Okay, well, where'd you come up with that valuation? Sure. Oh, well, my friend sold their business for, you know, X times EBITDA. Okay, well, was it the same industry? Um, you know, were they in as good a financial health as you are or, or were they in better financial health? There's so many different factors that can come into play. So you really need to understand the true value of your business. And, you know, if, if you're relying on that $5 million price, you know, to fund your retirement, what happens when it comes time? And, okay, you, you are able to sell your business, but the buyer comes and says, all right, well, I'm going to give you $2 million up front. And the payout, the rest of it's going to be paid out over five years, something like that, or maybe it's longer. Um, or maybe you have to work for an extended amount of time. So there's a lot of things to consider that most business owners, it never comes to mind. Yeah, and valuations do change along with the economic conditions as yeah, well. Absolutely. And so, if you if you look now, if you're a business owner and you're listening, if you look now, valuations, despite you know the stock market pulling back, now's as good a time as ever to really kind of pursue a sale. Exactly, yeah, get that peak that. valuation. Yeah, and and it's not always just a. A transaction. I mean, it's not going to be necessarily that you sell it. Could be passing it on to the next generation. Absolutely, it could be. There's there's so many different ways to transition a business. It's not strictly, oh, I'm just going to sell it, or you can sell a piece of it over time. And you know, they call it the second bite of the apple. You know, maybe you you, uh, sell 20% employees right now, and you maintain the other 80%. You know, you increase the value of that business over the next 10 years, and then you want to sell the remaining 80% that you have. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of strategies. You know, if it's something, if you're a business owner, it's something you'd like to talk to to us about. You know, feel free to give us a call. You can reach us at 770-429-9166. There you go. Ask for Nick and Tanucci. So uh, guys, we uh, we touched a little bit on interest rates, uh, what uh, what that did to the market, and I believe that it's probably the biggest factor adding to our volatility right now. Uh, probably the one that's most likely to change um, economic growth, in my opinion. Uh, it surely changes valuations. Nick, you just talked about valuation and what's one of the big things that you got to have, and it's um, cost of capital, which is what we use. I mean, let's face it. You buy an investment, and what have you bought? Now, theoretically, you've bought a stream of cash flows. If you buy a business, you should have a long-term stream of cash flows. And what are those cash flows worth? Well, uh, they're all future, so, you know, we don't really know exactly what they'll be. But in order to get them back to a present value, you uh, you have to use the cost of capital that is used to purchase them. Right. And that cost of capital is always impacted by a raise in interest rates. Um, the, the Fed's rate is usually the base building block to uh, to the interest rates, um, that a bank will will uh, lend you. Um, so in its most simplistic terms, if the Fed's raising rates, you can bet that your cost of capital to run your business is increasing as yeah. well. And so the denominator of this equation goes up. Right. The valuation, the in, in number goes down. So um, while tariffs might hurt those businesses that are looking to import or export, um, interest rates hurt everybody no matter what. Well, speaking of that, how much how much do you think the Fed is handicapping the potential for further tariffs and 
you know, I think tariffs are going to be inflationary if we sure increase our. T- Do you think that's in consideration? Well, I think I think the offsetting argument to that would be well, it's also going to slow down economic activity. Right, right, right. So right. wouldn't wouldn't the argument be about as strong on either side there? Again, I, like I say, I've thought about this a good bit. The only sense I can make of it is, you know, the the Fed is is retooling. Yeah. Uh, the fundamentals surely did not support the interest rate increase. I, we've had some clients call in and talk about, you know, the fact that it was a conspiracy that uh, Jerome Powell just wanted to get the, wanted to get back at Donald Trump. Make a point. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, to me, I think that's that's kind of a stretch. Well, they've got they've got a neutral rate target that's probably what two hikes higher. It it was three percent. I think it, now it's down to two point eight. But if you looked at the rate path, they planned on going higher than the neutral rate. Yeah, we're at two five now, there. right? That's yeah. the high end. So yeah. we're a stone's throw from two point eight. <laughs> but I talk to you guys about this from time to time. But I think in fairness, it's like if we're going to talk about two percent inflation and you know over two percent GDP growth, the economy should be able to handle. <laughs> Rates at a little bit of an interest three percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah, know, I, mean, I was reading something today, and it talks about what an influence global central banking, uh, you know, with with their stimulus quantitative easing has had on this. And they're saying, in in a a normal world, if there is such a thing, uh, our two point five percent. They're basically saying, if you didn't have central banks elsewhere easing still, or you know, still being very accommodative, at another one and a half percent, you'd be somewhere around four four and a half percent for. Uh, yeah. Well, rates yeah, right you, now as opposed to where well, we are. Well, that's two where we were in 2006. Yeah, and, and before but our last... when you think that kind of makes sense when you put it in the context of of a global situation, then you have European bonds yielding so little, you yeah, know, Japanese. Nothing. Right, right. Yeah, it's still, I mean, how in the world? Uh, the, those really baffle me. But, I mean, we still have Europe, well, up until the end of the year, talking about they were quantitative easing. Yeah, you talk and about retooling. Who, who's they're good? not raising rates though; they're just stopping the bond buying. Well, that was the yeah, that was the plan is to stop it, but it just stopped. When did we do that? 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so we've been sitting here trying to retool for the possibility <laughs> of the next recession for several years now, um, and the rest of the world, while their valuations look cheaper. Um, you begin to wonder if we do have some sort of a global slowdown. Yeah, I, I think that's, worst? you know, I know we're kind of running out of time on this segment, but I think that's a, something good to pick up on um, in the next segment. Yeah, valuations look cheap, but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, you're going to have a greater performance in, in that asset class uh, just because it looks cheap right now. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's take a real quick break. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. We'll be right back. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. 
It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.